One of the most fundamental things we do as nurses is to meet our patients where they are. Sometimes we get 30 seconds to figure that out. Sometimes we're able to walk that journey with them together in ambulatory settings or along the course of their care. That individualized care that we're able to provide when we meet them where they are and learn about them as people and not just patients is so important to ensure that we reach the best possible outcomes together no matter what type of patients we're caring for. I'm so thrilled to be joined today by Trisha Gilbert, the MPower Program Coordinator, who's gonna tell us a bit more about providing individualized trauma-informed care to pregnant patients. Hi, and welcome to Nurse Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast where we discuss all things nursing, from patient care, to advancing your career, to navigating tough on-the-job issues. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Carol Pahatsky, Associate Chief Nursing Officer of Surgical Services Nursing. All right, welcome back, everyone. Glad to be recording in 2024 and looking forward to another fantastic year of amazing guests and really interesting conversations here at Nurse Essentials. And if you're like me and you don't always listen to the end of the podcast and you're a skipper like I am, then I'll put this plug up front that we want to make this a conversation with you, our audience. So if there are topics we haven't addressed or you think we missed the ball on something, you want to share a story, we want to hear from you. And that email is nurseessentials, that's two E's in the middle, at ccf.org. I'm surrounded by incredibly talented people who help make this podcast happen. I just happen to be the voice of it, but it really is a collaborative effort as we think about what are the right episodes to bring to you, the audience, and in what sequence. So we've had people talk about topics that are very easy for any nurse or nursing student to relate to. We've had some topics about you as humans and how we support your wellness. And then we've gotten into some other specialty topics. And I hope you as the listener are really thinking about, even if that isn't your specialty, how does it make you think differently about what it means to be a nurse, what it means to take care of your patients, even if that isn't a direct one-to-one relationship, and what can we learn from every nurse we interact with? And so sometimes that leads us down really interesting paths, and I think you will agree with me by the end of the episode that we're going on a very interesting path today. So today we're going to talk about something that's very special and unique to Cleveland Clinic. And we know that not all of you are from here, but again, I'm going to challenge you to think about what does that mean for you in the delivery of care for your patients, no matter where you are? We're going to be talking about the care of pregnant patients today and how we can really meet their unique needs, especially when they need help in the form of trauma-informed care. So all of us had a labor and delivery rotation at some point in our nursing career. I loved it, and then I hated it, and then I absolutely knew it wasn't for me. <laughs> some of you may have had a similar experience, and some of you, you are in labor and deliver. You've made that path, and it's been really meaningful for you. Not all of us have had pregnancies or supported somebody we love having a pregnancy. For me, it was very much a one-and-done experience. <laughs> and so we come to this topic with all sorts of perspectives. But I'm sitting across from an absolute expert in this topic, and so it's my sincere pleasure to introduce you all to Trisha Gilbert. Trisha is the M Power Program Coordinator for the Cleveland Clinic. Welcome, Trisha. Thank you so much for having me. We're so glad to have you today, and I'm hoping just to kick us off, you can share with our audience a little bit about your nursing journey and how it's led you to this important work. 
Thank you. Yes, so I have been a nurse now for about 21 years. I started out in obstetrics, and it was not the path that I thought I would take. Really? (laughs) I thought I would go cardiac, Mm. but when I did my OBA rotation, hook, line, and sinker, I was set. (laughs) I started out in OB, and about eight years into my career, I was able to participate in a training. This was in North Carolina with a training called When Survivors Give birth. It is based on a book that was written by Penny Simpkin and Mm -hmm. Phyllis Klaus. And Penny came and did the training. And it talked about the impact of childhood sexual abuse on childbearing women. Mm, And it was such an eye-opening training to Mm me. Because I had just enough years of experience (laughs) that I had remembered patients that childbirth was not a good experience. Oh, okay. Sure. There were some patients that would go through some very basic things, mm-hmm. part of childbirth, that seemed so much more stressful to them. Hmm. And I always wondered why, but I sure. had never made a connection. Mm-hmm. And through the When Survivors Give Birth training, I was able to see these experiences through their perspective. Wow. Different ways mm-hmm. and understand how I may or may not know this person's journey and their past. Sure. But understanding that childbirth is not always the easiest thing for everyone to go through. It's hard enough for for everybody (laughs) at some level, but absolutely. Right. Yeah. So we, you know, I was able to practice, start practicing with this knowledge, understanding that these journeys that we have before we step foot in the hospital still come with us. And so (laughs) so I continued on my journey. Mm -hmm. And when I came here, I was able to present this awareness that I had had to Mm -hmm. my manager. And my manager at the time was Dusty Burke. She (laughs) is now the director of nursing operations. But she agreed with me that this is an area that there is a lack of awareness. It became that moment for you guys. It was that moment. Mm -hmm. And so we started doing some research. We started at Cleveland Clinic with a literature review grant. Oh, very nice. we created a poster and started looking what is out there for perinatal trauma-informed care. Sure. Nothing. Yeah. So we started there, and then channels just started working. And I came up with the plan for this program to support patients that have a history of trauma mm-hmm. before they come in to give birth. We got the backing, and now we are live wow. in all nine Cleveland Clinic OB hospitals. Really? Yes. Fantastic. And uh, how long has the program been in place? So the Roughly. we went live with Empower in August of 22. Okay. So we're yeah. not quite a year and a half. Okay. So we kicked off Florida last year. So Ohio nice. has been live for a year and a half. Okay. We've had over 700 referrals to the program. We've completed over 300 consults. Wow. And we have over 200 patients that are early referrals in their pregnancy that are waiting to be scheduled for their consults. Okay. We'll get into the nitty gritty a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I also want you, the listener, to think about, again, if labor and delivery isn't your passion, but reflecting on... Trisha took something that was an interest and a passion, and now you get to do it full time, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, so just being able to to build on that interest and that passion, and and make care better for not just the patients you're serving, but so many more. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So we'll get into some of the details, perhaps, mm-hmm. and you know, certainly, of course, as nurses, we we treat our patients as individuals. We acknowledge. Like you said, the road that that we that we bring to the hospital or mm-hmm. any, any care area when we're a patient, and certainly, of course, we, we if you think about 
whether we had eight weeks of labor and delivery or eight years, you know, the emotional and physical needs of every pregnant mm-hmm. patient is mm-hmm. very important to that specialty. What special considerations are addressed with this program, or even if you don't have that program, what should be thinking about for patients who have come forth and said that they are survivors of sexual assault and violence? It's always keeping in mind the patient's perspective. Okay. Always. Because there are certain things that we may see as stressful that they may see as something totally different. Hmm. One of the things I've been blessed to be able to do is do a lot of training with caregivers. Mm -hmm. And I usually pull up a picture of my two chocolate labs. (laughs) To me, that's the same thing. I look at them. I think of it as a loving and nurturing, you know, they're sweet. Oh, I see where you're going. (laughs) But to someone who has had a history of a dog bite... Mm -hmm. That can be a triggering thought. Oh, it's a fantastic analogy. So just always mm-hmm. keeping that perspective. Mm-hmm. So in, when it comes a little more specific to labor and delivery, you have a patient that when we start talking about epidurals, we think pain control. Okay. But we also need to think about what comes with an epidural. Mm. Loss of mobility. Sure. What if it's the ability to escape? Oh, gosh, yeah. That control piece, so too. Yeah. it can be. It's mm-hmm. having that perspective that maybe that mm-hmm. an epidural is extremely stressful because of what it brings with it. Sure. And so it's always having that perspective in mind. You, intention and function don't always align. You're, you're trying to do something good. That's your intention. But, okay. And... Can this be elicited in patients who have had prior traumatic birth experiences? Do we find that there's a need for trauma-informed care there as well? Absolutely. That is one area that we do also. We started the program looking more at history of sexual abuse and sexual assault, and we are finding even more with previous traumatic birth. Okay. Now, also... A little bit easier to say traumatic birth than, you know, with a history of sexual assault, sexual abuse. But we do absolutely have patients that come to us with previous traumatic birth. And it's starting out with listening to the Mm, patient. Sure. Sometimes letting them explain what happened so that we can sit behind and say, all right, now what was it that Mm, caused that to be traumatic? I've had patients that had pretty impactful births, but they didn't consider it traumatic because Mm. of... The way things were handled in that situation. Okay. So, you know, listening. Was mm-hmm. it that they were not part of the communication? Oh, was okay. it, you know, other things like sure. that? So absolutely. We do have patients that come. Mm-hmm. We listen to them, find out how can we improve if that same scenario were to happen again. Okay. Yeah. How can right. we improve? Well, I, I think it's a good note to any of us who, who may someday venture on that journey to becoming mm-hmm. pregnant, that this can arise as a need, mm-hmm. even if you don't have a history mm-hmm. of violence or sexual assault in your childhood, that really, how can we as nurses meet patients where they're at, no right. matter what that looks like? Right. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So we've talked about a few examples. Any other examples you can share with us in terms of appreciating that patients are very individualized? What are some other sort of hallmark processes of the labor and delivery experience that could be triggering for patients? So there is a direct correlation with patients that have a history of traumatic events that may be linked to childhood. And there's an increased correlation with those patients and not having a supportive system. Oh, okay. So also starting out with not just always assuming the person that's in that room Hmm. is an invited or supportive person. Sure. So taking that time, Mm -hmm. you know, to instead of your support person is going to be here, who you would you want? like? Yeah. Okay. Who would you like in the room with you? Mm-hmm. Giving them that opportunity to speak up, to have those conversations. 
other things in labor and delivery exposure can be a very oh big gosh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So listening, when you have a patient that comes up and, you know, sometimes with our patients, we talk about, you know, when you think about coming in, where does your mind go? Mm. I've had patients before that are like, well, I'm going to have to wear a gown. I'm going to, is it open in the back? Am I going to have to be, who's going to see me? Sure. Did it, oh, is it really gosh. about the gown? Yeah. Or is it about the exposure? Sure. And finding out how can we accommodate and how can we work together so that we can make it Sure. Less of a trigger, less of a stress. So exposure can be huge. And those are really two great examples that could happen anywhere. It's lovely this is happening with our with this specific population, mm-hmm. but we've had Michelle Sorrell on and talking about you know human trafficking and that same sort mm-hmm. of experience around that person who's with me may not be supportive. Right. That's great. Right. Great learning. So Tell us a little bit more about the process, if you will. So you mentioned that you've had some referrals and you've, you've mm-hmm. brought patients successfully through that program. Can you give us sort of a high-level overview of what that looks like from soup to nuts, so to speak? Absolutely. <laughs> so the program starts out with prenatal appointments. So patients are screened two separate times in their prenatal journey. Okay. Very generic questions. Just do you have a history? Okay. And let's the patient say if they feel like it's going to be an impact sure. on their okay. birth or not. Mm-hmm. So they're asked two times. They can self-refer. Oh, um, how nice. So yeah. if the provider can either put in an order to the program mm-hmm. or the patient can call the 800 number that we have. Oh, that's fantastic. So once they're referred, mm-hmm. then they are scheduled for a consult in their third trimester. Okay. We want their mind thinking, you know, towards birth. Getting ready towards that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that they're kind of thinking about that pain control. They're mm. thinking about who's going to be there with what them. What that experience is going to be, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So they come in in their third trimester. They meet with a resource nurse mm-hmm. on labor and delivery where they're oh, going sure. to be. So they are able to see what what a room looks like. Mm. So they can see a little bit about monitoring. So they can see where baby would go if we had concerns. Okay. Sometimes we do a tour. So they're able to see where the NICU is, the transfer of rooms. So you're talking about patients with a variety of concerns. Sure. We're talking about patients with elevated concerns. (laughs) So sometimes walking that flow Mm -hmm. or knowing who's going to be involved in your care lets them know a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So brings that anxiety down. Then we summarize that time. The resource nurse summarizes that in a note okay. that's available for whoever's involved in their care oh, when they come nice. in. So it comes through the EHR so everybody mm-hmm. can see yep. what that patient wishes. Right. That's great. And then it's part of the expectations that everyone that is involved in their care, whether it's the nurse, the provider, anesthesia, mm-hmm. you know, they're supposed to read that note. So okay. they have a little better idea of how we can best support the patient. Well, I think you put it perfectly, you know, there's so much conversation as somebody's getting towards that experience of delivery that talks mm-hmm. about a birth plan, but also, you know, the, the jokes out there that it'll never work, right? Because the birth plan is a five-page document sitting at home. Mm-hmm. So the idea that it's taking those elevated concerns and making it. Mm-hmm. So how did you help the team understand what was an expectation to see that? A lot of communication. Sure. Uh, we have the chart flagged a couple places okay, so that it is expectation. It is now on the main grease board. So when you come on the unit, mm. you can see if a patient has completed okay. a consult. And it is supposed to be, you know, with the huddles, with the shift changes, that information is supposed to be passed down to read that note. Excellent. So that it can better t- help you guide your care. Absolutely. 
what sort of outcomes are you seeing? I mean, I'm just I'm warm and fuzzy just hearing about this, but are you, are you measuring outcomes or what are you hearing from patients who've been through this experience? We are measuring some outcomes. You know, we've got really good returns. Almost 100% would recommend oh, the program, yeah. you know, that found that they were more prepared for birth. And the most impactful is that we do a scale of anxiety, level of anxiety oh, sure. regarding upcoming birth, okay. pre and post consult. We're seeing a 54% reduction in anxiety. Wow. So it's definitely, you know, been helpful mm-hmm. decreasing some mm-hmm. of that fear of the unknown, you sure. know, the the what if questions, you know, that kind of come that they've got a little bit more knowledge of what to expect. And have you been able to assess, you know, we've had these consults, there, there's notes in the chart, there's really expectation. Mm-hmm. Have, have you been able to assess, is that actually happening? What happens if you know, somebody with good intention comes in and hasn't read the notes. Are, are you able mm-hmm. to course correct? How does that look? Right. It is multiple steps, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> and, you know, and birth is somewhat unpredictable. Absolutely. There are going to be times that things are going to come up that are mm-hmm. not the patients. And as we say, preferences, Sure. you know, then how do we accommodate that? So it is having the awareness of the team. You know, making sure. sure that there are multiple people part of the team that are checking in. Mm-hmm. And then when things do change course, you know, making it so that debriefs are happening with Good. the patient. Oh, perfect. You know, so it's not just the things team change, that's debriefing. But we're going to involve you in that change. Right, exactly. Just making sure that the patient is connected in there so that that communication is clear. Which is really Again, pretty much baseline we should be doing for all of our patients. And when you think about speaking up, another great opportunity for nurses to Uh speak up if they see a member of the care team coming in who didn't have a chance to look at that note or maybe Uh doesn't quite embrace it to the extent that that the rest of the team has been doing so. Yes. Excellent. So I'm sure there's pregnant patients out there that maybe haven't shared this part of their life story Mm -hmm. with their loved ones or somebody they do find very supportive and Mm -hmm. they want to bring that person along on their journey, but this is maybe something they haven't shared with them. How do teams ensure that they've really talked to the patient and they have that plan, but they're not, so to speak, outing the need for this care to that support person. Yes. First of all, the way that we have set up the program is we're not even required to know the reason that they're coming. It does not even require a disclosure. Mm. Now, because of the fact that we do spend a couple hours with those patients, a lot of times things do come up in those consults. Sure. But we put the ball in the patient's court Mm -hmm. (laughs) to say, because we ask them, is this something you want in the summarized note? Oh, Or is it something... Not because I can get a point across without having to divulge that private <laughs> intimate very details. Creative. Yes. yes <laughs> so first of all, there's no disclosure required okay. for it. So when we talk about the Empower program, we mm-hmm. talk about the fact that this is a patient that had significant enough concerns to reach out for additional resources. All right. That's it. Yeah. You know, it does not need to be any disclosure. And, you know, we let the patient decide if they want that included or not in their note. So it may not even be in their chart. It's not required to be in their chart because if someone has a significant history, I don't need to know those details in order to take really good care of them. And what a reassurance it is for those patients to really, again, meet them to say, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm here for you if you want to share those details, but that's not going to change how I take care of you. And so that, that can remain confidential. So really amazing work. 
how have you gone about educating caregivers and how, you know to really make sure that you know you are an army of one <laughs> and how we how how you've been able to enlist other people in these efforts it's been a lot of different opportunities mm-hmm. right now i do training with all the nurses that come in for the ob service line okay. so when they do their residency classes oh, i've been given, given a slot so they're that, getting it early on yes getting it early on i do staff meetings i'm on the unit because i also still do consults, we have those conversations. So it's even being on the unit, being present. And maybe sometimes when you have someone that has a list of demands or, you know, it seems like a patient that says, I cannot have this, I will not. Mm. Being that person to have that conversation and and say, well, have Mm -hmm. you ever thought Mm -hmm. about maybe there may be something there that is giving the need for this type Mm -hmm. of control? Sure. And so advocating on the units, educating, and then I've done trainings with the residents. Oh, fantastic. And we're looking at adding on with the medical students now, too. Oh, perfect. Excellent. So we talked earlier about outcomes with the patients. Mm-hmm. How are the nurses receiving it? What's, what's that been like? <laughs> we have gotten some really good feedback. Some nurses and providers have said they like having the notes because it kind mm. of gives them an advantage. Charge nurses have said it helps with making the assignments. Oh, gosh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you kind of have a little idea yet again this is someone that has increased concerns sure That's for whatever reason yeah but it lets them help to make some assignments mm-hmm. anesthesia has said it kind of helped them out because if if it's pain control right. that is one of their bigger stressors then we'll address that sure we'll educate options mm-hmm. and then sometimes we give anesthesia that extra advantage to know in advance right that this is a stressor fantastic so Great. So far, really good feedback. <laughs> yeah. So we're so blessed to have you in this program at our organization. You've sparked an interest in at least one of our listeners, mm-hmm. if not many, many, and mm-hmm. they don't work at the Cleveland Clinic. What would you say to them if they want to learn more, if they would like to pursue this as a treatment modality for their patients at their mm-hmm. organization? I would absolutely recommend, you know, starting where I started for mm-hmm. one, When Survivors Give Birth, and there are a couple other books out there that talk about the impact of sexual abuse, sexual mm-hmm. violence, and childbirth. Okay. Start doing your research. Mm-hmm. Get that knowledge so you can understand. Then start being your advocate on your unit. Help caregivers that maybe have not had any training or an awareness just to be the one that say, well, have you ever thought about Mm -hmm. start those conversations, let people understand that there can be another reason behind these increased concerns. Sure. So start that way. Okay. Look into your organization. Every organization is different. Mm -hmm. See if there are research opportunities, Mm -hmm. see what's being done. Don't be afraid to start some conversations. Sure. Excellent. So you've given us a lot to think about and a lot that really can be very easily applied outside of labor and delivery mm-hmm. settings. So as we're starting to wrap up, I'm wondering if you could just give us some key highlights. You know, we have lots of nurses out there that maybe aren't working in labor and delivery. What are some really key nuggets that would help us all really meet our patients where they're at if they would benefit from trauma-informed care? Right. When you are taking care of a patient and you see that they are increased stressed, mm-hmm. acknowledge it. Just sometimes just acknowledging that Mm -hmm. can be huge Mm -hmm. and communicate with them, you know, asking them, how can I make this so it's not so overwhelming? Mm, How can I best support you? You know, making sure that they are the center of the conversations, not forgetting what it's like to have their perspective. Sure. You know, are those IV lines 
more of a restraint to them oh, gosh, sure. because yeah. it's such mm-hmm. a challenge to get up. Mm-hmm. So what can we do to accommodate and help them out? Sure. Just always keeping their perspective at the forefront. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to flip now to the speed round section of our journey here. So this is where our audience gets to learn a little bit more about you as a well-rounded person in addition to an <laughs> M power expert. So I'm hoping you'll start us off by telling us if you have any hidden talents. <laughs> I don't know if it's talents or passions, <laughs> but I love to play with power tools. Oh, really? <laughs> laying flooring, painting, doing home renovation projects. Yes, that's what I love the challenge. Okay. What's your favorite project you've done? I have laid vinyl plank flooring Mm. in multiple areas of my home. We should talk after this episode. No, (laughs) just kidding. So is that a way you recharge? Are there other things you do to recharge? Yes. I like to do that because I like the mental challenge Mm -hmm. of it. And yes, that's one way I recharge. Mm -hmm. And finding humor and finding the ability to laugh at myself, finding that grace to be able to decrease my expectations for perfection in life. Yeah. I mean, we think about what you're doing in your career. (laughs) You really need to be able to balance that because mm-hmm. you're, you're you're taking on some pretty heavy stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's fantastic. And finally, like I ask everybody else, what brings you joy? <laughs> Unplugging, and mm. you know my kids and family are huge, so I've got three teenagers, so that oh, presents boy. challenges in <laughs> itself. But I do thoroughly enjoy being with my family. Wonderful. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Thank you so much. As always. Thanks so much for joining us for today's discussion. Don't miss out. Subscribe to hear new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, we want to hear from you. Do you have ideas for future podcasts or want to share your stories? Email us at nurseessentials at ccf.org. To learn more about nursing at Cleveland Clinic, please check us out at clevelandclinic.org nursing. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or legal advice. Consult your local state boards of nursing for any specific practice questions.